You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin by calling in the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I reach up the line to my own ancestors and I reach out to yours. I call out to all of those who have gone before us, who lived well and died well and bring all that is good and true and beautiful from our many lineages into our time here, the time of the living. I call out to these ancestors to gather around us here today and to help us, especially those ancestors who met the challenges of their time, particularly those ancestors who lived at this type of time, this crossing over from an old world to a new world, and how to leave behind that which we know now now, no longer serves us, and how to open ourselves to the innovations necessary to move forward in a good way, and how to bring with those innovations the deep, deep traditions that are simply what must be done for humans to live well in this particular manifest world with all other living things. So we ask those ancestors, those wise ones, those who struggled and met challenges in their own time to be with us and help us to do what we are here to do, what we have asked to be here to do by choosing to be here now in this time. So we call out to those ancestors and give thanks for their presence around us. And with the ancestors and the helping spirits gathering round, let us reach down from our hearts to our bellies and our bellies down to the earth and take a moment as our energy touches the earth to give great, great gratitude for this day. Whatever the day holds in store for us, we are alive and we give thanks for this simple beauty. We give thanks for the profound beauty around us, the great diversity of things and the many, many ways that gifts come to us in our lives. We give thanks for the amazing dreaming of this planet that brought life as we experience it in these fabulously diverse and intricate and exquisitely beautiful ecosystems. We just give thanks for all that is here for us and all the work that is ahead of us to help to bring this beauty to all living things. And so we give thanks to the earth, thanks for the wonder and the miracle of life. And with this gratitude in our heart, let us reach our energy down through all the layers of the earth, offering our gratitude as we go until we reach the very, very center of the earth. And may we anchor ourselves firmly there and call up the energy of the earth to rise up through all the layers of the earth into our day, into our bodies and into these proceedings. And in this way, we call up these energies that restore and rejuvenate and replenish us. These energies that come with this wisdom of manifestation. How how can we be here in form in a good way? And we call up these energies of the earth into our bodies that we are able to be grounded in life, that we are able to create a sense of hearth and home and belonging. And to do this in a way that is not exclusive to the others, but can include them, that can invite the wanderer to the table. And we call out to the earth to help us to extend from this sense of connection within ourselves 
our place, our family, our friends, and extend out to feel connection to all living things and this interconnection and ultimately to allow our awareness to expand to this great web of life and to take our place in that web and to come into right relationship with ourselves from this kind of belonging. And from that, right relationship with others, right relationship with our environment, and right relationship with the spirit world. And with this foundation, with this sense of place and where you stand and what you're willing to truly live for, established with the help of the energy of the earth, let us rise up, let our bring our energy up to our heart and our head and out through the morning sky, whatever the sky holds for you in this day. And out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos and all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know this energy, name it. Take a moment and feel your reflection in this energy and its reflection in you. Don't be shy. Don't hesitate. But just reach out with your heart and grab this energy. Connect to it and know your place within it. And then let's draw this energy down. Drawing into yourself, into your body, into your day, into these proceedings. This great, great resource of blessing, this energy of protection and devotion, generosity, benevolence, and the inspiration, the illumination that comes from above. Let's draw these energies in and down through all the layers of the sky into our head, our heart, and our belly. And in this way, let us connect these energies and feel this moment of these two great lovers coming together within us, heaven and earth, yin and yang, coming together in the great dance of complementary dualism that is at the essence of how things are here in our manifest world. And may this big love of the earth and sky be the thing that awakens the love in your own heart and let the heart open. And to become this crucible of transformation that it is unique in its way. That it can draw up and call forth these deep, deep passions. This fiery, fiery reason to be alive that lives deep in the belly. And draw it up into the heart and call down the crystal clarity of the mind that these energies can dance together in the heart. Each drawing out of the other that which is essential. And having these energies come together in such a way that it gives birth to this third sacred thing. Our sense, our feeling, our knowing, our memory, our heart memory of why we are here. And may you find in your heart the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring your gifts into manifestation in the world. And so we give thanks to all of the energies around us and moving through us and connecting to us on our own hearts for the support that we'll receive in this day to do what we have come here to do. So may what needs to be said be said and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. Speaking of living things, I would like to give thanks to Timothy and Marissa and Deb and Sarah and all of the other listeners who have donated financially to the show since we were last on the air. I give thanks to you um, because you are helping me to um, keep the show on the air as well. Many people say I couldn't have done it without you, but the truth is I wouldn't do it without you. That would be sort of silly. So I give thanks to those of you that are helping me to keep the show um, paying for itself in a sense. So I give thanks for that. And I give thanks for those of you that are doing things to help the show be strong, to help it be interesting with your questions and show ideas and to help it to be vital 
And because this is also important. And for those of you that can't donate financially, I give great gratitude for the other ways that you give of yourself that the show can be strong and valuable to others. And so thank you all for helping me to do this. For those of you that would like to support the show, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. Don't get lost in all of the archives of five years of shows. You can go to the support button and you can donate any amount, large or small, in any currency. And um, all of it goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And I'm deeply grateful. And for those of you that are uncomfortable donating in that way but want to, please just email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org. And I'll give you an old-fashioned address for an old-fashioned check. And it's all, um, it's all beauty. Thank you, everyone. So I'm really excited today because we have a guest returning. So today our guest is Kelly Harrell. Welcome, Kelly. Well, thank you for having me back. I'm really happy to talk with you. (laughs) Me too. I'm excited. (laughs) Okay, so today we're talking about um, practicing here in the – practicing shamanism in the contemporary world – And in particular, when we're building community, even if our community is non-local and local and technology and how do we use it and what are the problems. So we're just going to talk a little bit today about the ins and outs and ups and downs, the innovations necessary and the challenges they bring us in, in really doing this today in the world. And so for those of you that don't know about Kelly, um, Kelly's in North Carolina and she is um, an author, um, writer in many ways, and a neo-shaman. And her memoir, Gift of the Dreamtime, Awakening to the Divinity of Trauma, chronicles her pivotal steps into the role of shaman. And this book is available in its um, new version out there in the world. And that she has been on a shamanic path for 20 years, works locally Um, in North Carolina and internationally with her client base. And um, she incorporates other trainings in her shamanic work, other ways of knowing and other modalities in her practice. And you can find that practice um, by Googling soul intent arts. Kelly writes a syndicated column, um, Intentional Insights, with questions and answers from within, and is a contributing writer at Huffington Post. And many of you may know her from from Huffington Post um, blogs. And she... um, is a contributing book reviewer for Sage or was is what you'll have to tell me anyway Sage Woman and the <laughs> Beltane Papers uh, pages. So she is a proud founder of the Safe Room Project, which is a nonprofit support network for sexual abuse survivors and their partners, families, and friends. And she joins us today um, to talk about how how it can all work here in our contemporary world, where things are not exactly as they were for those first shamans. <laughs> Um, anyway, you can find Kelly um, for um, classes and appointments and to buy her book and all of these things at Soul Intent Arts, as one word, Soul Intent, I-N-T-E-N-T-A-R-T-S dot com, or just kellyharrell.com, K-E-L-L-E-Y-H-A-R-R-E-L-L. It was an abundance of consonants. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, All right, so I also want to give thanks to the Society of Shamanic Practitioners. This is a SSP-sponsored show in our interview series. And if you'd like to find them, they are at shamansociety.org. And if you have questions for today's show, you can Skype in or call in. Um, And you can email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org. And for some reason, I don't have the phone number right in front of me. Anyway, that's okay. 
no one calls in anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, okay, so moving right along. So usually, you all know, I usually start by asking guests, you know, kind of how did you get here? But Kelly wrote a really beautiful book about that, and I think you should just go buy her book. Um, (laughs) I mean, we don't need – we got other things to talk about today. Um, But anyway, so this is the book, The Gift of the Dream Time, and it's really an excellent book, particularly for those of you – I mean, a lot of people buy these sort of – this was my journey in shamanism books as, you know, reading, but this is a really good book for those of you that want to journey well, because Kelly shares her journeys in it in such a way that you actually see how someone who has a real knack for journeying crafts questions, um, kind of wrestles with the right question, wrestles with the answers. What does this mean in my life? And so for those of you that, that want to see what that could look like, I would suggest you buy the book even for that reason alone. And it has many, many other worthy attributes. But a lot of people send me questions about how to journey and how do I do this and how do I do that? And they, they want a linear answer. And the problem is they're not linear answers. They're story answers. You know, you have to kind of be with it and see it. So anyway, the book is really great for that as well. Now, part of the other reason I Kelly onto the show is because we both share the challenge in today's world of not claiming a traditional lineage because there's something about claiming a traditional lineage that makes people think they know what they're getting themselves into and it makes it uh, easier somehow for them to do it. Um, But when you don't claim a lineage, when you don't change your name to, you know, moon water, buttercup Uh, (laughs) oh you don't do these things that make you sound more indigenous or go get a bunch of letters behind your name as if that's going to make you a better shaman you know you you don't cave in to those market driving factors and just say look this is my work It, it, it changes the game here of how you then present yourself in the world and how you support people and what people expect of you, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, that's another reason that I invited Kelly because, as she says in her own words, my path of shamanism is original and claims no culture other than that of my experience and the one of my creation. I do not seek to teach a branded path of shamanism, but to present a map for others to create their own paths to awareness. And I am here to create a new tribe of support for children and adults whose lives were blessed with an uncontainable inner knowing. How's that? I think that's pretty good. Thus, you can see Kelly as a writer. (laughs) Well done. So, (laughs) So let's start with your practice. So people can get an idea of your, the scope of what you do, what you offer. Um, because it's, you know, it's, it's quite extensive because you're trying, you're not just saying, come work with me in 18 months. I'll make you a shaman. Right. Well, you know, and I really struggle with that because a lot of people, they want that. The dynamic has changed. I mean, in the, um, I guess in the 20 years that I've studied, 20 some years and and that I have, you know, had my practice in less time, boy, has it changed. I mean, the whole dialogue and community is just in a different place. And I think that's wonderful. But I also think there are some significant pitfalls in that also. Um, To answer your question, I'm really working to figure out 
more closely what I need to bring. And, and I figure that out just by working with people and, you know, by engaging with them and talking with them and learning what shamanism really means in a modern context. I can think I know that. I mean, you know, I consider myself a modern shaman and I can think that I know that, but really it just keeps evolving. And, and I feel like my job at this point is to, to keep evolving with it. Um, I really try to present it in a realistic light. You know, it's it's not a magic pill. And that's sort of the perspective that people have now. Back in the day when I was first, um, you know, studying and, and doing that kind of healing, receiving that kind of healing for myself, no one knew the dialogue of soul retrieval or soul wounding. And now so many people do. And so... Um, There's also kind of an expectation with that, that, you know, you do a soul retrieval and you're fixed and there's not much uh, emphasis or or at least that I run into. There's not a lot of emphasis on what has to happen in the lifestyle around that kind of healing. So the healing may be miraculous. It, It may be fantastic and life altering in a very short period of time. But what happens in the lifestyle around that healing. And that's where I really feel called to bring a lot of attention right now. Mm -hmm. What's the rest of life like? What is the rest of life doing to support the big spiritual stuff that you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's go back a little bit to the, the, you talked a little bit about the change, but what do you think are some of the pitfalls in the in the change of just the environment around shamanism in the last couple decades? Well, I think the biggest one that I encounter is, you know, people have learned that a process like soul retrieval does profound healing. And so there is kind of an assumption that I just need to get a soul retrieval and I'll be fine. I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of like the magic pill in how people approach it now. And, and they don't remember that it is an initiation. It is um, going to change you. It's going to cause ripples in life around you. And it's a lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. I also see that in terms of just learning journeying. There's this assumption in the modern shamanic community that shamanism is just about journeying. And I really loved the show you did on that recently. I I think you just nailed it so well. Um, The idea that all you have to do is learn to journey and poof, you're a shaman. And I think maybe even a little more serious than that is poof, you're healed, poof, Mm -hmm. you're well. So Um, I really feel like it's important for people to know that journeying, even just learning the technique of journeying is a lifestyle change. That's the way I put it forward to all of my students and clients. You know, it, it changes who you are. It changes the way life responds to you. And I, I don't think that we put enough emphasis on that in the community at large. Well, especially this, what you just said, which is it changes the way life responds to you. Yeah. I mean, your life all of a sudden thinks you're actually paying attention. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. A lot of people don't realize now this is 24 hours a day. Exactly. And and now your life is is actually thinking you're going to pay attention. And a lot of people don't have the skills to pay attention. You know, again, the lifestyle change. Exactly. um, Yeah. 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 
Okay. So, all right. So these are some of the pitfalls. I'm sure others will arise as we go through our talk here today. Um, Because there's many beautiful things that have changed. Like for me, the simplest example I always give is when I started the, um, the cycle teachings over 20 years ago and people were, were so inspired at the end of the week, of course, to follow up with each other. But that required a phone call because we had only telephones with answering machines. We didn't have email. We didn't, you know, we didn't have any of these things yet in the normal life. And if you had them at work, you certainly weren't supposed to be talking about shamanism. Right, right. On it, right. Um, so frankly, it didn't happen. It was just, it was too big an effort and too, it felt somewhat too invasive, I think, for some people to just call somebody up, even though they'd agreed to do it with each other. Right. And it wasn't until people started having personal email that all of a sudden people started following up and that they wanted to share their stories and they wanted others to go, ooh, and ah, and try this when they, you know, read their emails and that they actually created this, that the email itself created this way of storytelling with each other i think when i look back at it now it created an e so people could send out an email any time that worked for them and others could read it any time that worked for them so as there was also that not needing to call and leave a message you know so it, it fixed the time problem you know and then that's evolved now in my community you know 20 years later people are required to actually do healing with each other over the phone or skype or whatever you know, right. with some technological medium every week. Now they're doing actual process together, which has expanded out to even offering teleseminars ongoing within the community monthly to kind of expand our, what is it? The theme is basically what, how do we actually practice what we learned in the workshop in life? None of these things could have happened without technology. This, these, this evolution of steps is entirely technically based. It's That's amazing. Fascinating to me. It's awesome. Now, also, we're both trying to the best of our ability to support a non-local community, a local community, but also this non-local community, which is, I found, a really interesting concept to try to explain to the spirits of the land. Because we we were like, well, you guys said you would show up, but you're not showing up. They said, well, we're waiting for your feet to be in a circle. It's like, oh, these feet are never going to all be in one circle. Oh, new idea, you know, (laughs) to the spirit world even. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when I kind of look at what you're offering, you've got what I consider this, this big, broad giveaway level of your, you know, your articles on Huffington Post, your periodic newsletters, your weekly rune readings. You know, these, this is just this, this broad giveaway out, out to the world. And then you offer shamanic healing, but you also offer mentorship, personal and professional. So there's that piece. And then teaching, obviously, classes, which are both local and electronic, right? That's right. Yeah. You know, and then there's local ritual and ceremony. And then it sounds like there's also, you know, sort of like Skype or Google mediated ceremony. And then, okay. and then all of this contributes into this, this um, shaping of this vision of this tribe of the modern mystic. And, and then your books, I mean, there's, there's a lot of layers. It's always funny when people ask, you know, well, Kelly, so what do you do? <laughs> like, which part of which day? <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how do you, um, so in this, in the same way I was just talking about it, obviously some of these things couldn't happen in your life without tech, technology. 
So where do you feel technology dovetails really well with what you're trying to offer in your shamanic world? Um, well, I, I'm a techno geek hardcore and I've worked in information. <laughs> I am, you know, and I've worked in information systems for 20 to 23 years. So I have a really deep love and respect for technology, you know, literally its application, but also from, you know, it's, it's unseen aspects. I, I really engage with it as a being. And so, um, you know, I, I just, I ask it in, I ask it to step in the places that it can in, in my work. And it becomes a process of refining how I can use it better or see places where it just isn't working at all. Um, and the ability to build community devoted to either an idea or a theme or a need across the world is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, isn't that, it is, it, 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 it is it, unbelievably it, amazing. And you know, it, it, it pushes some buttons because we're really at a time where bioregionalism is important. It's, it's extremely important to know what's going on in your, with your local totems, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, and, and to stay connected with them and bring them into this kind of connection. And I think that's probably the thing that has surprised me the most about using, you know, worldwide technology for in groups is how the totems, they kind of know each other. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, Druidry knew that a long time ago. It's just, it's just been amazing. You know, when I did a little bit of work with Maladoma, there's a um, helping spirit that figures in that, the contemble. And um, it was so interesting when you, we go through this big, all day long thing to be able to meet in a, in a particular cave, meet face to face this energy one by one. And if you step the wrong way in the pitch darkness, you fall into this pit. So it's a sort of life threatening experience of meeting the spirit. And my, my, my first impulse before my brain even really kicked in when I, when I had my turn to go meet the spirit was, Oh, you, <laughs> yeah, you know, I've gone all the way to Africa and gone through all this to, to meet this spirit that had been with me since childhood. And wow. so after the fact, I was kind of communicating with spirit going like, what's the deal? You know, what, <laughs> you know, what explain this to me. And, and the best I could understand the explanation, it was just this showing me that the, these, what we would call caves or tunnels, if we were telling a story to our children about it, but they're more like energy wormhole things through right. the planet that they're using because they're spirit energies and they can do stuff like that. And I went, oh, I said, well, can I use stuff like that in my journeys if I have a particularly, you know, problematic? And they're like, well, of course. And so I'm thinking, wow, you know, I just don't know anything yet at all, do I? <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's beautiful. And, and I know exactly what you mean. I mean, there's, a, there's always square one all over again. And, and it's like these, these spirits of the place are kind of waiting for us to wake up and ask the right question, wake up they from this are. sort of collective stupor we've all gone into of separation and regionalism and nationalism and let's wipe out this entire group of people right. because they look different than we do. Like wake up out of that bad dream and remember, oh, right, we're all pretty literally connected. I mean, right now, yeah. since I live on the west side of the United States, we're really kind of grieving the, you know, the, the death of the ecosystem in the Pacific Ocean. Right. You know, you know it's like... 
it's it it's nobody's land anymore it's everybody's nobody's right. air nobody's water it's everybody's yeah and that it's like the spirits of these things are going well it's about time y'all woke up from your like five exactly, year exactly. nightmare there's a particular park. It, it's kind of strategic on my part, but Pullen Park in Raleigh is this big historic landmark, public park. And it's beautiful. These oaks that were just hundreds of years old. And I decided in my infinitely bold wisdom that I was going to start doing public rituals there, that I was just going to open space and invite the public to go there and do rituals on the Sabbaths. And um, this is like four or five years ago. And the first one that I did, um, the the spirits of the oaks were like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, okay, mm-hmm. sure. You're, yeah, I know you're going to come back, right? Because I, I asked them, you know, is it okay to do this? Can we be here? Can we have this relationship? And can I come back? You know, can I be here now? And can I come back and do this as an ongoing thing? And they were like, yeah, you can, but we'll believe it when we see it. Exactly. And it, and it, it, it was a long time. You know, they, they really would be surprised when I came back. And I, I thought, wow, how long have they been waiting? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And how long did it take, you know, contemporary practitioners who are being taught to journey to realize the simple fact that it's about a relationship? Yes. It's about the quality of the relationship that you're creating with these energies. And part of the reason they're reluctant to get all excited about us is that humanity has, you know, wandered off and gotten distracted by shiny things, you know, for thousands of years now. And people can say that those shiny things are technology, and they mm-hmm. are. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's like so many other tools. You can hold it well, or you can really hurt yourself with it. And, you know, a lot of things that are kind of bubbling in the pagan community right now and in the shamanic community are how we just don't go outside. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about, oh, I have an owl as my spirit totem or whatever, but mm-hmm. we don't go outside. We don't walk barefoot. We don't hike. You know, we don't really spend time outside, let alone really form relationships with the local totems. So, you know, I, I think it is completely possible to do that and we need to do that. And sure, I could do that ritual and and stream it on my tablet at the same mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it just depends on how you use it. You can be distracted yeah. by the shiny things or you can bring them into the experience with you in a way that enriches the experience. Because I feel like, you know, people can can pretty easily get on the collective grumpy bandwagon of, you know, media's hijacked the storyteller. Mm-hmm. And our kids are just mm-hmm. getting crappy stories and it's not hard to get people on that bandwagon. But what people – it's harder to get people to realize and that means that this electronic media is a really great way to convey the storyteller. So take it back. Right. You know, so, exactly. so So it allows you to spread the story that you want to have spread. So, you, you know, sorry. Ahead. Do you ever read The Wild Hunt? No. It's um it's a, it's a really good blog, but just this week one of the posts was about um the the fact that he he used the phrase, Jason used the phrase, I think religious journalists, but I think you could just as easily say spirituality journalists that it's it's going away. Like as so many facets of journalism in particular, but media are are just being hijacked, like you said. Mm-hmm. 
And, and, you know, that's what he was talking about also. The universe is really amazing, the synchronicities, because uh, you're really hitting on something that he said in that article that, you know, we really have to take it back. Yeah. We, have to, we have to adjust. We have to re- retool the game and figure out how we can bring it back to the story level of what's really happening. And the thing is, with technology and the great sort of equalizer of the Internet is that we can take it back. Exactly. There's not this hierarchy of who gets to tell the stories broadly anymore. Um, I mean, hell, I found an audience. (laughs) Right. I can do it. Anybody can, you know. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, for me, yes, one of the great uh, misuses of technology, I think, has been this kind of hijacking of the storyteller, but it also remains at the same time one of the greatest possibilities. Um, and this, and, and that it extends this connection globally is, um, is unbelievable. Like Sandra Ingerman was on the show talking about how through her transmutation newsletter that goes out to, mm-hmm. I don't know, thousands of people around the globe. So it gets <clears throat> translated in all these different languages. So it means people around the globe simultaneously are doing the same ceremonies that Sandy's encouraging. Isn't that to. awesome? It's it, unbelievable. It is a fantastic newsletter. Yeah. And it's that, fantastic. And, you know, so there's a point at which I just say, you know, everybody get off the grumpy, whiny bandwagon and just t- turn the tip, tip the tables, you know, turn the scales. Let's what? <laughs> and, and you know what? And if, if it doesn't work for you, if, if you cannot get on that back bandwagon, then find the one you can get on mm-hmm. because there's room all around. I mean, however you tell your story, wherever your audience is, your community, that's where you need to be. So yeah. if it isn't in if it isn't in the internet realm, if it isn't with technology, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And and the other thing is, you know, people, you're paying your cable bill anyway. <laughs> you might as well be using it for <laughs> yeah. Be using it. Yeah. Got yeah. that right. Yeah. Well, so with the technology, um, were there what were there places you find that it just doesn't work at all? Yes. And you know, maybe that's my inability to incorporate it in the right way. I'm still open to the possibilities. But um what you know, I do live classes like I teach um like intro to modern shamanism. I teach that class for free quarterly. And then I have all these other classes that are also live web classes. And I also have some that are self-paced, like you receive course material and you go through it at your own pace through kind of a mentorship over a few weeks. And that's the place where I find that the subject matter falls down. Um, I think sometimes you need to be in a room by yourself and you you kind of need to have a little solitude and, you know, report back to a mentor who can kind of be accountable with you for the process that you're having. But I find that concepts like the middle world, you really need to go into that in in kind of a little more reclusive way, at at least when you're learning it and to kind of have one-on-one interaction, but, but the room to go back by yourself and work with that and explore that. And again, you know, I haven't quite figured out how to do a live internet class outdoors, you know, from a technological standpoint, because Mm -hmm. in in my classes, when I teach the middle world, your ass is outside. We're not going to do it sitting in a room. You know, there'll be some things that we do indoors, but I really want 
the experience of of being the human animal in nature when we do that class. And so that's mm-hmm. what I ask people to do when they do that class self-paced. And that's mm-hmm. that's one place that I, I just haven't, you know, from the standpoint of we still largely communicate through technology as we're, you know, doing the mentoring part and, and doing essays and that sort of, you know, discussion. But in terms of presenting the material, it's better for you to be out there doing it than to try mm-hmm. to convey it over bits and bytes. Yeah. There is a, I mean, of, of shamanism, I think in many ways is, is like music in the sense that if I want to learn to play a violin, I actually have to pick up the violin and yes. begin to try. <laughs> I can't do it sort of in abstract or in theory. And, and there's an ask, there's a high level in shamanism of experiential learning. You, you really can't Indeed. even know what the right questions are until you've done it. Well said. Uh, you know, I have said from day one in my own education, but, you know, even when I decided that I would start writing about my own experience and God forbid publishing it for other people to read, <laughs> you're not going to learn this from a book. And yeah. I mean, I have another book coming out sometime, maybe end of the year, first of the year. And I, I probably say 18 times throughout the, the book, you know, you're not going to get it all from this and you're not supposed to get it all from yeah. this. You're supposed to have community and I hope a mentor and some other experiences that you pull in. And, and this is just your framework. You know, I'm, and I'm still sitting here thinking about this idea of the where it doesn't work and this sort of balance because it, it, it is it, – people can mistake the experience of our learning this together and whatever comes out of that as the actual experience of – doing this in the world, you know, it's, it gets Ooh. layers of experience. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you, you know, you can't convey that in a weekend class. And, yeah. and you know, I don't, I don't fault the progression of modern shamanism. I, it probably sounds like I do in, in some of my articles, but in reality, I, you know, we're, we're coming through adolescence and we're, we're reaching a point where there are new figures emerging as leaders, really, really good leaders in the shamanic community. And, you know, we had to kind of put it forward the way that we did. You know, maybe that's exactly the way it needed to be. But I, I hope that at this point we've learned that just throwing people into a weekend class on how to journey isn't all. It, it isn't not all. It's potentially um, really stressful. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm also thinking about this on a really low level. Like one of the things I love about the show, which is kind of back to what you were saying, is it allows – the technology allows people that couldn't come to it any other way to come to it. Right. You know, and so – and this is a huge value in it. And so like the woman that is the one woman up there on the pipeline <laughs> – in this town right. of men, you know, right, like, right. Ah, my sanity is this show, you know, it's like, I think I'll say, God, the show's there for her. And now right. she's got all this interesting stuff to do while she's stuck up there on this camp, you know. Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, again, as you were saying, because people are in their own place and they can't, we can't necessarily hold space for them to have these experiences in the way that we would if they were in the room with us or at the right. camp, you know, somewhere with us physically. And so then the problem is the people that are listening to the very same set of radio shows, for example, and seeing them as this permission to start to just 
been out into listening to all the voices and everything is real and everything's a coincidence and everything matters equally the same. The next thing you know, they're, they're off in the ozone and can't remember to feed their kids. And, you know, it's the same shows and it's the same, you know, it's so it's, uh, it's tricky. It's tricky. It is tricky. Yeah. And it's an education that we're, we're coming into as a culture. Yeah. And I think that, um, I guess I feel like, like you said, it, moving through an adolescence, I guess I feel like we have to go through this growing pains because so many of the things that will actually be the kinds of answers that move us forward in a way that doesn't create just five more new problems, it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that they're going to be globally mediated answers. It's going to be because we can connect outside of just our local attention that that we can make some changes that need to happen. I think, I think, I think there's a reason for it right now. That's very, very important. And we, we're only still laying the groundwork for it. Uh, just my I little intuition. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So are there any, um, surprises that, um, technology has brought that you just couldn't just never even imagined? Oh my God, look at that. <laughs> You know, it sounds so silly to say, but just the fact that you really can create sacred space in a in a digital forum, you know, when you're having live interaction in in a group that you're devoting to sacred space. I mean, I guess I just had this um, this rigid perspective of, wow, yeah, you're going to have to really prove this to me, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a way. And, and both as someone who has attended online events that were sacred and has created them, I'm just astonished by how amazing it is. It, It really is just as powerful as ones that are in person. They're, they're suiting the needs that they need to suit. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can't do it well with an electronic medium, then those are just the things that wouldn't work that way. But the ones that you can really do work. Right. Yeah. So, um, okay. Let's see. So let's talk a little bit about, um, so it's, I'm guessing that the mentoring piece of what you offer, and I thought about this today. I thought, well, that's really such a better word than life coach. Not that there's anything wrong with being life coaches, but but this idea of mentoring around shamanism probably um, resonates more deeply with the more original ways of doing this, I think. So, so I'm assuming this came out of um, – the whole needing to help people change the big picture, their whole lifestyle, not just learn to journey. That's, that's exactly right. Um, most people, well, you know, there are pitfalls in, in learning to journey itself and, and being able to use it as a valuable tool for yourself or for others. But, you know, generally speaking, just how to help people learn to hold the space throughout all of life, not just when you're in trance, not just when you're in dedicated sacred space, but how does this become a lifestyle? That's the thing that mentoring really helps, I think. And, you know, I really, I really ultimately come back to, we're, we're meant to do this in community. Yeah. You know, we're not supposed to be islands that are trying to reinvent the wheel. I I think we've, you know, we've done that. (laughs) And part of part of growing as you know in the shamanic community now is we we have something to leave behind. We have created 
um, sort of a path and, and information that, that we're all pooling and, and putting out there so that we people don't have to feel like they don't have anybody to talk to. They don't they ha- they hit walls repeatedly and don't know why we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And what I've come to see in, in myself in my own life, but also in my work with students is that there's an aspect of back to the experiences within experiences that there's another level of experience where I didn't really understand what this meant. I thought I did, but not until I brought this sermonic principle into community, did I really get what this was. So there's a piece I don't think people even understand until they try to do it in community with all the ups and downs of that. And people have a genuine longing for exactly what you just said. I, yeah. I, I think often we don't have the vocabulary to express it, but but we miss that that moment where yeah. where we see the collective and and how we're an individual that is part of something greater and and always were. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think people genuinely miss that. Yeah, yeah, and it's important. And then, so, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think often when people are struggling with, you know, mechanics of journeying or, or being able to, to pull various techniques together, it isn't about mastering the technique at all. It's about mm-hmm. having that community. There, there's something that is reciprocal. It's, it's not just the techniques and, and feeling like you're stumbling through them. It's being able to have a web to fall back on who, who understands what you're doing to start with. And, you know, one of the really simple examples of that, that I saw um, once people started meeting locally, like within within the teachings, they just started meeting locally. So it didn't matter anymore what class you were in. You just all happened to be in the same area so you could get together face to face. Right. So they started doing that. And what 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 happened is. And this is such a beautiful thing about the peer relationship is, uh, is now if the pre- when people were alone, they would go ah, over something in journeying or whatever <laughs> right. it was. Right. And the thing is, have no idea that everybody does that. So they go yes. through this long process of, oh, my God, I'm failing. Oh, I can't do this. This huge crisis of faith. This, you know, so it would be months before they actually communicated with me and said, this happened. Right. right. Months. Right. And by then it's a whole mountain and it was just a molehill, yes. but it's a mountain. Right. Whereas when this happened in their little monthly journey circles, everyone would go, oh, yeah, I did that. You'll be fine. And they go, oh, OK. And they yes, just move on. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> no mountains, no time wasted. I mean, it's beautiful. And that's the piece you can't even calculate the value of because it's each little one is infinitesimal, but it, it just keeps lifting everyone. It's really beautiful. It is. So. Tell me, talk a little bit about the professional mentorship because I, I'm imagining this ha- is similar to a comment I was making recently on a show, which is what are we as the teachers doing when people come to us that are clearly in crisis around responding to spirit as they're being called to? Clearly, I mean, their their lives are shredded, and we're going to say, oh, come take an eight-month training program to become sure, a shaman. Yeah. You know, it's like nothing yeah. to do with what you <laughs> So it sounds yeah. to me like this is part of because your mentorship has personal and professional. I think it's really important to to know. I think it's important to separate those out. And sometimes it can take a long time <laughs> to do that. But, you know, just speaking from the professional standpoint, I put a lot of thought into how to do that and what to offer 
And I decided that I, I wasn't going to focus only on people doing shamanic practices because I engage with people who do all kinds of, um, you know, spiritual based healing work. And I just wanted, again, to give them an opportunity to discuss issues that come up or uh, dynamics that come up and them not become you know, mountains of molehills, sort of mm-hmm. like you said, they, 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 we don't have to reinvent the wheel there either. There are, we, somebody does have the body of answers, you know, even, mm-hmm. even the brass tack stuff, like setting up a business in North Carolina, what do you need to have? What, what kind of, um, paperwork needs to be filed? Just really mundane stuff, not just, the big etheric support and what is, you know, helping them determine what's the focus of your practice? What are, what are you going to bring? And is that in alignment with what your, your spirit teachers are telling you? Cause so often it isn't. And that yeah. is a breakdown in what's happening. You have been there, done that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of whatever is most needed at the time. You know, well, it's and- not the same for everybody. And people don't always see that because it's big. It's your, you know, it's your life. It's your practice. It's, you know, it's big. And so a person's getting these messages from spirit, kind of interpreting them the best they can, doing their, you know, intentional visionary work over here and not realizing that actually those two things are contradictory to each other because based on your intuitive and spirit message, you're realizing this work you have is, is not the big is not the whole story for you, right? but it's the one you've already invested in creating. So maybe it's the thing that's going to finance the change, right? And so you, you don't want to keep having a vision around this, you know, your intentional work each day that's got everything you want in your life coming out of this little business because in, your intuition has already told you that's not it. Right. So your intention needs to change to this business will now make bring me the clients to practice my new things and bring me in the money I need to finance this change and you're done. <laughs> I think there's a tremendous amount of pressure on people who really feel called to do intuitive work. And, you know, either they don't have business sense, they they may not understand the ethics of working with people. There's an assumption that just because you have the ability or, you know, to facilitate healing that you're ethical. And that's definitely not always the case. And, you know, the the idea that you you have to be willing to lead. You may not want to, you know, be a community leader per se, but you have to face the personal uh, ego stuff around what putting yourself forward as an, I don't like this word, but that word expert or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. title, you know, as, as a person who's going to offer this, you have to be able to accept, frankly, all the crap that's going to mm-hmm. come with it. Mm-hmm. And And I think people in intuitive arts kind of struggle with that deeply. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I like to meet people where they are and, and it, you know, cover all of it most likely in the duration that we work together, but to really go into what they need most at, you know, what they know, what they can articulate, they need most. And I think if I were going to encourage some more growth or open-mindedness in practitioners right now, it would be being willing to be a little bit more humble and begin to take some courses that are teaching you that those kind of personal skills. How, how do you personally meet this, what you were just talking about, that there will be projections on you, assumptions yeah. made about you. And frankly, if you put yourself out as an, as an expert, you are expected 
to at least live what you're talking about. Right. In a, you know, and, and, right. and that's not um, uh, 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 an illegitimate expectation. If you're putting yourself out as someone right. who's saying this, 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 you should be modeling it. And, and so, but I also find while someone would be happy to come to a class that's going to teach them how to make their business successful, they're a little bit less right. willing to come to the class about how do you become a person who can manage the ups and downs of having exactly. that kind of a place well, in the world. Well, I think it's tied, it's tied up with this idea that you're not supposed to take money for what you do. And yeah. so if you, be, if you view yourself as a small business, then you're somehow denigrating the sacredness of what you do. And that's something that as a culture we have struggled with for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and there are still people who will say things to me, you know, who the hell do you think you are? And I'm like, well, I don't know, but I, I know <laughs> what, you know, I don't, but, but I know what, I'm led to do and that I have the chops to back it up to do it with integrity. And I'm willing to sit and talk with you about that. I'm not willing to let somebody take punches when they don't know a thing about me, but I'm perfectly willing to sit and talk with somebody about that. Well, and the other thing that I know, and I'm sure you know this, is that while I did good soul retrievals in the beginning, they're nothing compared to what I do now because I've had, you know, decades of experience. And so I do have that experience. I don't have, you know, hundreds of years of tradition being handed down to me, but I, but I can say that myself. It's like, it's way better than it used to be. And it wasn't bad to start with. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it will continue to evolve and grow and yay. Yeah. Hallelujah. Um, okay. So, um, what, what I'd like, I think, because we're kind of running out of time, which I figured we'd do anyway. What <laughs> I was wondering if maybe you want to talk about a little bit more about the tribe of the modern mystic and what that is for people, because there may be listeners out there that really need to be part of that and they don't even know what it is. Well, at its simplest, it is about community around the lifestyle of living between the worlds, a foot in each world. Um, you know, it's it's not about shamanism per se. It is shamanic. It's most definitely animistic. You know, we don't journey. We're not learning techniques. We don't do healings. And, and we're all on different spiritual paths for the most part. It's really about how to carry that between the world's perspective through everything that you do, every everyday experiences, not just when you're consulting with the gods or, you know, sitting with your totems. And... In most cases, you know, we knew this as children, but we had to put it down at some point. And so as adults, you know, these are usually people who are awakening back to that knowledge. And so they've amassed all this stuff they have to undo that they've kind of been taught was bad about their own nature. And so, you know, in that light, there's probably some healing along the way that will have to come. But it's more about supporting people living what their truth is in the mundane and you know there are also people in the group who as adults are just now coming into this awareness and it creates a little bit of crisis it is mm-hmm. a bit stressful to realize that the way you see the world isn't the way you thought it was it may not be the way your religion wants you to see it it creates ripples in relationships it may mean that you know what you do in your job no longer matches what your personal ethics are so uh, there are really a lot of of things that we address and and we do it just by bringing each other community to 
be our passion all the time as, as much as possible. And so what kind of, um, I guess, activities, for lack of a better word, are people engaging in as part of this tribe? Well, you know, when I started it, I had this really strict um, idea of what it would be because I had done mystery schools before where I laid out these, you know, months long curriculums and and each person would be on their unique little path and expressing it their way. And it, it kind of has some of that. But as we've gotten into it, we just started in June. I mean, it, it took me three years of, you know, most of my master's to really formulate what it would be. And then we finally got together the first time in June. And um, what I'm finding is we do just an organic oracle every other week that that and we take turns doing it. It's not just me handing this out. Um, You know what it is that we need to focus on as people who are walking between worlds and and how we can implement that in our everyday life. You know what this what this oracle's insight has and we change the oracle. It's not the same every time. And. So, you know, we kind of talk about once a month, we have kind of hearth sessions where we talk about how that's um, really influenced us over that moon and how we go forward in carrying that wisdom forward. And so there may be suggestions that I give each person and, you know, and it's not going to be the same for everybody because they're each in a different place. They're experiencing different things. But I do a lot time for people to say, you know, here's how this has affected me right now. Here's the challenge that I have. And, you know, how can I better meet that? And, and so you know, there may be things that come up in between our gatherings where people individually contact me and say, you know, look, it's not really going the way you said it would. <laughs> and and just kind of go with it at an individual level as well as engage with the group as a whole. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. In our last couple minutes here, Kelly, what in, in your in your private imaginings, you know, where where could this go? I mean, we're in this adolescence right now, but what are you what are you hoping to actually see in your lifetime? What could be? I would what I would really love to see is the ability for communities to do bigger intentional work. I, mean, I know a lot of communities um, say this date, this time, this star alignment. We're all going to focus on this, but I, I think that is what it's going to take. You know, for us to really all remember the connection to all things and stay active in it, doing that on a regular basis, not just on special occasions or or when we really just feel the need to do it. I I think we have to become, we have to all network, all of the shamans have to network our communities some way. Mm -hmm. And and I think that would be a beautiful way to do it, to each plan a weekend where you know, we're going to gather our individual groups and we're going to focus on this in the way that is unique each to our bioregions. I would mm-hmm. love to see that on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah. Well, Kelly, our hour has flown by and I'm so sorry. <laughs> I like, know. I, I waited we all week and out. now it's over. <laughs> There's so, this whole country between us. <laughs> I know. So everyone, you can find Kelly at Soul Intent Arts, I-N-T-E-N-T, intentarts.com, or just kellyherald.com. Um, and you can get her, they can get your book on Amazon, can't they? Yes. Yeah. So she's not hard to find. Just Google her. <laughs> so Kelly, thank you so much for being thank with you. us today. It's yeah, just I'm, wonderful to see you and talk with you. And just thanks for doing your work. Thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we give thanks to the ancestors for all that they dreamt of this amazing future we're all living now. And we give thanks for the earth below and her incredible patience, the sky above, (laughs) and to the hearts that unite us all. Thank you, everyone, for listening here today. Have a great week.